So this morning, I've entitled the message, The Power of Your Words. How many of you guys know that your words have power? The things that you say have power. The story of this, this uh, pastor, and he's got a wife and two kids. He's got a seven-year-old girl and a five-year-old boy named Chris. And, and uh, his wife was out, she, her, one of her hobbies was making those little porcelain baby dolls. You guys ever seen those things? Who do you think those are kind of creepy? I think they're kind of creepy. But anyway, that's her hobby. She likes to paint those little porcelain baby dolls. And, and uh, the pastor, he's out on his porch talking to one of the neighbors, and he hears the phone ring. And he says, you know what? My heart swelled up with pride as my little five-year-old son, Chris, he picked up the phone and he answered politely. And he says, I was just full of pride that he, he did that. He was doing so well. So, but then it quickly disappeared when I heard these words. No, mom's not here. She's out making a baby. But dad's here if you want to speak to him. <laughs> See, sometimes the words we say can have an effect. And obviously that's a humorous story. And as we look at the scripture, you're going to find out that our words have much more power than that. You see, what we say has power in our lives and in the lives of others. And as you guys have heard me speak the last couple of weeks, we've brought up a couple of of stories in the scripture um, about uh, the walls of Jericho. You remember when the walls of Jericho came down, that massive wall, and we know that what actually happened was they marched around it seven days without saying a word, and then when they were given the signal, they all begin to shout and to yell and speak. And the wall of Jericho fell into the ground. And like I've explained before, it's not like the wall in your backyard where it's this wide and this tall and you know, it falls over and you can walk over it. The, the wall of Jericho was wide enough that, that uh, two chariots could run side by side across the top of it. So we're talking a wall that's so tall that it was tipped over, it was still as tall. So it didn't happen like that. The, the, the power of their words actually made, I don't know what, I deflated, it sank into the ground. I don't know. All I know, the wall was there, and then it wasn't, and they were able to be victorious. And we also talked about Gideon taking in his army to, to battle the, the, the Midianites, I believe, and, and, and God sent them in there with just a handful of people, and basically they were banging around pots and shouting, and they were victorious as the, the army turned against itself. So there's power in those words. Or do you remember this story when, when John the Baptist's father, he's the priest, right? He's in there, and, and he says, how can this be to the angel? And the angel said, well, because you didn't believe, you're not going to be able to speak until John the Baptist is born. You ever wondered why that happened? It's because he was trying to talk himself out of his own miracle. And we do that ourselves. Our words have power. We can actually talk ourselves out of what God wants for our lives because sometimes we just need to shut up and let God talk. Amen? And then, have you guys, you ever, you ever noticed that, uh, at least I notice it now, as we see all these things in science and psychology, and they make these great discoveries, and we're like, man, the Bible's been saying that for years. I don't know what took you so long to figure it out. But you guys ever heard the saying, if you say you can, you're right, and if you say you can't, you're still right? That's a, a psychological fact. You can actually talk yourself out of doing something. I'm like, man, the Bible's been telling you that your words have power for a long time. It took you guys that long to figure it out. What we say also holds us accountable. When we begin to speak to other people, it can help to hold us accountable. Let me give you an example. If I want to lose 20 pounds, I do. And I just tell myself that, hey, I'm going to lose 20 pounds, and I just keep it to myself. If, you know, if I slip up and have that, that chocolate cake or that ice cream, you know, there's no one to hold me accountable. There's, there's nothing. You know, I never told anybody this was my plan, so there's no, there's no accountability there. But if I begin to tell people, if I stand up in front of the, and, and tell my friends and my family and say, this is what I want to do, there's someone to hold me accountable. 
And then finally, what we think influences what we say. This is something we've got to get a hold on. You know, the Scripture says to take every thought captive because the things you begin to think will begin to be the things that you say. And like I said, as we're going to look at today, your words have power. So let's go ahead. And the, the first Scriptures we're going to look at are in the book of Genesis. It says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, it says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. You guys are all familiar with these, right? In 1.6 it says, And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And what happened? It was. And then God said in verse 9, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. In verse 14 it says, And God said, Let there be light in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And as we know, God said it, it happened. And it doesn't stop there, there's more. It says that, you know, let the water teem with creatures, and it did. And he says, let the earth bring forth creatures, and it did. And we see a pattern being set for us. How many of you know that you're made in the image of God? You're made in the image of God. That means that the patterns that he does, the things that he does, that's the patterns that are set for us. God said, and things were spoke into existence. When God spoke, there was power in His Word, and the world complied. In Romans 4.17, it says this, As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom He believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence things that do not exist. That's the kind of stuff God does. He, he speaks things that weren't into existence into existence. He speaks life into things that are dead. And I want you to know, that when you speak the Word of God, there is power in what you have to say. When you speak the Word of God, the world must comply. Because there's power in the words that you're speaking, especially when you are speaking the Word of God. But you can say, Pastor Wayne, I don't have that ability. You should hear some of the stuff that I said never happened. I don't have that, that power, that ability. You must be crazy. So let me put it to you like this. When you're looking at your pilot, say you're getting ready to go on a uh, flight, and you look at the pilot, how many of you go, Mr. Pilot, do you, are you able to fly? I mean, are you strong enough to really get your arms going so that you can raise in the air? Do you say to the pilot, I mean, are, do you have the, the lung capacity to make it all the way across the ocean? Anybody ever asked their pilot stuff like that? No, because does the pilot fly? Pilots don't fly. Let me, let me tell you now, pilots themselves don't fly. But how do they fly? They rely on the airplane, right? It's not the pilot that has the power to fly. It's the airplane that has the power to get them across the expanse of ocean or land that they're going. And I want you to know that it's the same for you. Yes, in and of yourself, you have no power to make the world comply. But when you speak the word of God, you're not relying on yourself. But you're relying on God inside of you. You're relying on his word. The infallible truth of the word of God that is the incorruptible seed in our lives. It, when God speaks, it happens. Like I've said, with the promises of God, and when you speak the Word of God, it's never a matter of if. It's always a matter of when. Amen? Another example, when, when, when we see the power of people were, is people's words is in Ezekiel 37, 1-6. It says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and He brought me out in the Spirit and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. 
And he led me around among them. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. This is a crazy story. Anybody ever read this story? Ezekiel begins to speak to these bones, and we're going to see that they come to life. But you know what? He starts off much like many of us would start, with a little bit of doubt. Right here it says, and they were very dry, and and God said to me, Son of man, these bones, can these bones live? And I answered, Oh Lord God, you know. He was copping out. He didn't know what to say. He didn't have, he didn't understand that that he was going to be able to do what was about to happen. He says, Oh oh Lord God, you know. You know what's going to happen. That's kind of like when when we begin to to minister the word of God to people. You know, we, we believe here that, the, that, that healing is ours by what Jesus Christ has accomplished on the cross. It says, by his stripes we were made whole. But anybody ever had that, oh, if it's, if it's God's will, we'll get better. Anybody ever, someone said that? You know, if, if it's God's will, this will happen. And that, that's, this is what we're saying. Oh, Lord God, you know we're copping out. Instead of claiming the promises of God on our lives and speaking them with authority and with, with the authority and power that is behind them when God speaks them, we begin to say stuff like, oh, if it's your will, we get a little wishy-washy. Oh, God, you know. He was copping out a little bit. Because the truth is, the human answer to this question is no, right? That's the human, I mean, can these bones live? No. Same way with, with healing and all that other promises of God. The human answer is, is, you know, can cancer be cured? The human answer is what? No. But with God, all things are possible, and there's power in His Word. And the truth is, the Lord uses us to affect the world around us. How many of you know that God could have just made the bones come back to life? God doesn't need us. But he uses us. He allows us. He gives us authority to operate in his word and in his power. And he uses us to speak to this world, to his words, and to affect the world around us. He asks us to speak so he can work through us. And right here he says, O Lord, you know. And he said, he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Now, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you're a student of the Bible, you know that these dry bones actually represent the nation of Israel. Because at the time, the nation of Israel was dry. It was dead. This, this, this vision, this, this, this thing going on here is, is him breathing life back into the nation of Israel. But you know what? It's so very much like that for our own lives. You know, the, the, the Bible says that all Scripture is there for teaching and for reproof and for correction. And we can learn from this because sometimes our lives get a little dried up. Sometimes our lives begin to look like dried bones. With not even, I mean, so dry and not even sinew on them because we, we, we forget that God has authority in our lives and gives us power. 
But however, just like this army that's about to be, as we look in the next verses here, brought back to life, our lives can be, the same thing can happen to our lives as we begin to speak the word of God over our lives. As we begin to speak, I am forgiven. As we begin to speak, I am holy. I am pure. I am perfect. None of these things in ourselves, but in Jesus Christ. I am healed. I am whole. I am loved. As we begin to speak these words and prophesy into our own life, our life will begin to lift up again. As we continue the story here, it says in Ezekiel 37, 7 through 10, it says, So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Man, this would have been such an amazing sight. I mean, this is the kind of stuff you see in movies, except for usually it's the dead coming back to life, it's zombies or something to attack people. But this right here is representing a nation coming back to life. And as we look at we can apply it to our life. It could be as, as our life coming back together and becoming whole because of the power of the Word of God. And we see such an interesting thing here because this actually is a, is a picture of what happened when Adam was brought to life. Because how did, how did Adam come to life? God breathed into him the breath of life. The breath of God is life. And when Adam was created, he was just formed from the dirt. And there was nothing, there was no life in him. But God breathed and life filled him. I mean, there's a a world of people around us that need the breath of God inside of them. They need that breath of life. You know, I I look at this community around us, and and I don't know if you know this, but Tucson and Marana were one of the the most unchurched areas in the United States. Definitely in this state, this is one of the most unchurched areas. Where, I mean, it seems like we have churches on every corner, but most people don't go to church regularly. Most people need the breath of God in them, that life. They're walking around dead and they don't even know it. They're walking around without any hope. They're walking around searching for something. And they don't have it. I know I work with people that are going through tough times. I've got a guy that I work with right now that, that I try to minister him to him when I can, but he's a, he's a, a devout atheist apparently. And, but he had a, a family member... Um, or actually when his, his wife's brother, uh, in-law, uh, pass away. And he was really upset about it. And the family, he's telling me about how distraught the family is. And I'm like, man, I don't know how you do this without God. I don't know how you live your life without the promise and comfort of the Holy Spirit. You see, to them, he's gone. He's, he's, there, there's nothing. You live, you die, and, and that's it. But we have a different hope. The Bible says that we don't mourn as the world mourns because we have a hope to see them again. 
You know, and the, the world is walking around like that. They're worried about what's going to happen if this government collapses, if the economy collapses. They, they, their, their faith and trust is in all the wrong areas, and they're walking around hurting, and many don't know it. And we have that hope to give to them that's available to them. They need the breath and life of God inside of them. You see, and we can speak into their lives. That's why as a church we try to be focused on being outward focused. We want to reach the community around us because we have the opportunity to speak the word of God into their lives, to breathe life back into them. Something else that I think is interesting about this story is that, did you notice this is an ongoing process? First he began to speak to the bones. And they began to come together. First it was, it was the sinews on them, and then the flesh, and then skin, and then they came together. They were fully formed, but there was still no life. I want you to know this isn't a one-time thing in your life either. You have to continue speaking the Word of God over your life. Speaking the things of God. And controlling. That's what I talked about today. That your words have power because as soon as we stop, it stops. If, if you would have only spoke to the bones... It would have ended there, but then God said, no, continue, prophesy breath into them, prophesy life into them. And as, as children of God, as, people of, of, as Christians, we need to continue to do that regularly in our life as well. Amen? In James 3, 3 through 6, it says, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of its life, and set on fire by hell. Did you know your tongue had that kind of power as being compared to those different things? Anybody familiar with horses? At all? You familiar? Does anybody know what a bid is? I've noticed that, you know, I grew up with horses. My mom always had horses. My grandpa's a farm in Iowa. So I, I, I read this and I hear about the bit and it just makes sense to me. And I've noticed that as I begin to, to talk about this to others, nobody has any idea what that is. A bit is a piece of metal that you put in a horse's mouth, particularly strong-willed ones, to guide them the direction that you want to go. And it's very interesting because horses are huge. They're big animals. Yet we can guide them, even strong-willed ones, just put in that piece of metal in their mouth so that way when you t- pull the reins, it pulls on their mouth and it turns their head and it guides them where they need to go. And it says right here, if we put bits in the, into the mouth of horses that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. And that's the, the picture that's being painted with that small piece of hardware. We're able to, to lead and guide a massive hundreds and hundreds of pound horse to take it, to have it go where we want it to go. And then he also, we all know about ships, right? This one, I'm, I'm safe with this one, right? Everyone's seen a ship. We understand rudders. A boat, no matter how big it is, is always guided by a very small rudder. And if you've ever, ever been on a boat and you've seen that, you have this little tiny thing in the water, and as it turns, it guides the entire ship. And if you just take a moment to sit back and think about how amazing 
that actually is. How something so small can guide and lead something so much larger. Even the largest ship in the world, the Oasis of the Seas, it's 1,186 and a half feet long, and it weighs 100 tons. All right, how many of you, like me, are like, how does something 100 tons stay afloat? Anyway, it stays afloat. 100 tons. It's 100 tons, and it's almost 1,200 feet long. You guys want to know how big the rudder is? It's, the rudder is only 50 to 100 foot long. This ship is incredibly massive, and they guide it, they steer it with something that's, that's a 20th to a 10th of its length. It's got three propellers on it, this little tiny thing, and it's guiding this massive ship. And James here is saying, you know what, your tongue is like that. Your little tiny tongue in your mouth will guide your entire body, just like a bit in a horse, just like the rudder of a ship. And then he goes on to say, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Now, I can, I can relate to this in my life. When I was a kid, I was like seven years old, eight years old, something like that. I lived in Big Piney, Missouri. And we lived just right behind my house was a big pine forest. And uh, there was this... this uh, like a quad trail that went through it, where everyone took their, their quads out there, and there was a dump out there. Anyway, there's a trail, and, and when it would rain, people would, would end up spinning their tires, and it would carve out these ruts in the ground. So me and my buddy, we went out there, and we built this little tiny fire in the you know, uh, rut that had been dug out, and we figured we were good to go. And we, we made our little fire, and we were done with it. We poured dirt on it, called it a day, we left and lo and behold, at the end of that day, the entire forest had been set on fire. Now, to this day, I'm convinced someone set me up <laughs> because I'm pretty sure that fire was out when we left. But apparently it wasn't. So this little tiny fire we made, which is far away from everything, ended up setting ablaze acres of forest. Now, that wasn't a good day for me. That was the first day that I was kind of really good beaten. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I learned that something that small, what started as a match in my hand, we put it out and left as a little tiny fire buried with dirt, somehow sprung out of that dirt and set an entire forest on fire. And your tongue is like that in your life. And we have a choice. We can, we can steer ourselves in positive directions or we can steer ourselves in negative directions. We can speak the word of God in our lives and, and guide ourselves in that direction and watch our, our lives being built up. Or we can use our mouth to, to say the wrong things and watch our lives go like the way of this, this fire and set ablaze and cause death and destruction in our lives. But I want you to know that that, that little tongue in your mouth has that kind of power, so we need to keep an eye on it. Amen? In Matthew 12, 33-37, it says, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. And I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words... You will be condemned. Do you know you know a tree by its fruit? Anybody ever heard that expression? You know a tree by its fruit? If you walk up to a tree and it has apples on it, what kind of tree is it? 
It's an apple tree, right? If you walk up to a tree and it's got bananas on it, what kind of tree is it? Now, no one's ever said, this is my, my apple tree and it's got oranges growing on it. The truth is, is, you can tell what kind of tree something is by the, the fruit that's growing on it. And that's what's, the, that's what's being said here. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. The evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. Out of our heart, out of our abundance, out of our, who we are, we begin to speak. And people can see that based on the fruit of our lives. And the truth is, the things that we speak, the things that we say, have an impact. We're going to one day have to give an account for the words that we spoke. Now I want you to know that, that one day, if you're saved, if you've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you've passed out a judgment. It's not a heaven or hell thing. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're going to heaven. Praise God for that. But you're still going to give an account for what you did, for your, the life that you lived. And we're going to have to give an account for even the small words, the careless words. He says, we'll give an account for every careless word they speak. You know these careless or useless words, which is what other translations say? It's, it's, it's the small talk. The small talk. It's the, it's the cooler talk. You know, when you're sitting at work, standing at the cooler next to somebody, and you're beginning to speak to them, are you speaking words of life, or are you just joining in in the gospel, the workplace gossip? Are you, just, are you, are you speaking death? Are you speaking life? As Christians, we should be known by our fruit. The way we speak should indicate that we're Christians. The things that we say should give encouragement. They should lift people up. They should build people up. And people should know us by even the way we speak, the way that we act. In James 3, 7 through 10, it says, For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Our tongue has the opportunity to be wilder than the wildest of animals. And James says, so you know what, at least we can catch them and tame them. At least we can, we can get them and, and, and put them in a, in a cage or we can teach them to act the way they're supposed to act, even though they were once wild. But the scripture says that our tongue is not like that. But no human being can tame the tongue. Well, that, that is kind of a problem because I just spent the last half hour or 20 minutes talking about how much power our tongue has and what we need to do with it. Now the Bible says that, well, that no human being can tame the tongue. And the truth is, just like anything, if you try to do it on your own, you're going to fail. Man cannot tame the tongue. But with God, we can bring it under control. With God, when we begin to just speak what God speaks, it changes everything. He says, from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. It's kind of like the old expression, would you kiss your mama with that mouth? We shouldn't have cursings coming out the same mouth that have blessings. And he says, and why is that? He says, because he doesn't understand why we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. You see, everybody we know, particularly in the church, but even outside of the church, are people that God loves. And he desperately wants to save. And we should always be encouraging them, lifting them up, building them up, and not tearing them down. 
out of our mouth should only come blessings. Amen? In Ephesians 4.29, it says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. You see, the truth is that since our words do have so much power, we need to be mindful of what they are. He says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. We need to make sure that our words are for blessing and edification, that our words that actually extend grace. John Wooden, a former basketball coach at UCLA, was pressed in an interview to be critical of former Indiana University coach Bobby Knight. And Wooden would only say, I think Bob Knight is an outstanding teacher of the game of basketball, but I don't approve of his methods. But I am not a judge, and I'm not judging Bob Knight. There is so much bad in the best of us and so much good in the worst of us, it hardly behooves me to talk about the rest of us. You know, that seems like a good attitude for us to have. The truth is, there's a lot of bad stuff in the world. There's a lot of people doing bad things. And while we should never condone it, we should also look at those people and recognize that God loves them. And instead of tearing them down, we should begin to bless them, to be an encouragement to them, to pray for them. And I know it's a hard thing to do. You know, one of the things that we try to do regularly here, especially in the prayer meeting on, on, uh, on Sunday mornings, if you didn't know, we have a prayer meeting at 9 o'clock. Um, but oftentimes we begin to pray for the people in ISIS. And you're like, Pastor, why would you pray for those people? Don't you see what they're doing? But the truth is, they're people that are loved by God just like any of us. And God wants them to come to know the truth. Is God okay with what they're doing? No, neither are we. But we pray that they would be touched by the hand of God because that's the only way anything's going to change over there. When we talk about our country, there's a lot of stuff that our government is doing that we may not agree with. It doesn't mean we shouldn't pray for them because nothing's going to, you know, laws are not going to make a better, a better country. The, the laws are not going to fix anything. The only way this, this country is going to be fixed is if the people that live in it come to know Christ. If they have a new life, then the laws will follow suit. But even though that dumb stuff's being dumb right now, it doesn't mean we're not praying for them, that we don't want to be encouraging to them and be a blessing to them. Amen? Our words should always be for blessing and for edification, edification at all times. In Proverbs 26.20 it says, For lack of wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. You know, words can drag something on instead of letting it be. Words can, can put fuel to the fire. It says, for lack of wood, the fire goes out. And the same goes true for things that are sparked by words. You know, if, if, you're, if you're at work and there's, there's people gossiping and doing all those things, when you join in, you are fanning the fire. You're actually making the fire grow larger. But if everybody stops talking, that fire just goes out. Just like the, the, the wood fire he's talking about here, when the wood is extinguished, when the wood runs out, it's done. I went out yesterday to start the barbecue up, and I, we got back a little bit late to my house, and I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to do charcoal. I'm just going to kick on the gas grill because 
it'll be a little bit faster and we can get going and, and, and get eating faster because, you know, I like to eat, if you didn't notice. And uh, so I go to turn it on and I look and there was two things. One, last time I had cooked, I made, I made uh, packs of vegetables. I used frozen vegetables and they were all soggy and nasty, so I must have left them on the grill. But apparently, I didn't turn the grill off. And you know what? When I got out there a week later, however long it was later, there was no fire going. There was nothing. Because what had happened? My propane had run out. And the, the, those vegetables were not soggy anymore. <laughs> they were a little charcoal-y. But uh, the, the thing is, is just like that, when there was no more fuel, when the propane ran out, the fire went out. And I had to use charcoal because I was out of gas. But the truth is that gossip is destructive. Saying unedifying things with your mouth is destructive. Sometimes we just need to be quiet. In Proverbs 17, 28, it says, Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. If you ever want to sound wise, sound intelligent, sometimes it's just best to shut up. Don't stick your foot in your mouth. Psalms 141.3 says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. You know, the psalmist is praying a prayer here that has served me well so many times in my walk as a Christian. But one, we recognize that if he's praying it, there's probably a reason that he's praying it. If this wasn't an issue in the life of a Christian, we would never see this prayer being uttered. But the psalmist says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lives. My life. And lips, sorry. Door of my lips. (laughs) So I remember when I used to work in in, a restaurant, if anybody's ever worked in a restaurant, this is when I was younger, it's not a healthy environment, to say the least. And I was surrounded by people, and and a lot of times you just kind of get that, you you slip into the stuff that's going on. When I wanted to... As I was as just becoming a stronger Christian, as I was just beginning this journey and deciding I was going to serve God, I had to pray this all the time because at one point I would talk with everybody. I'd fit in with everybody. I'd do the same things with everybody. And it's so easy to slip back into those things. And uh, I would pray, God, watch over my mouth. Let me say the things that are edifying. You know, put a guard on my I wanted to do the right thing. And, it's, and even still, to this day, I pray that prayer because, truthfully, I don't want to screw something up. I don't, want to, I don't want something that I say to be the reason that someone is alienated or pushed away from God because I just said something dumb, unintentionally. In Psalms 119, 171 through 173, it says, My lips will pour pour forth praise for you. Teach me your statutes. My tongue will sing of your word, for all your commandments are right. Let your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. You know, if, if we're not supposed to be letting bad stuff come out of our mouth, what is it that's supposed to come out of our mouth? One, like we said, we want to be edifying people, encouraging people. But also, we need to have praise pouring forth from our mouth at all times as well. Praise should be on our lips at all times. 
We're going to start doing a song here probably in the next few weeks. Have anybody uh, ever heard the song, The Taste of Eternity? It's, uh, I think the name of the group is called Bellarive. I think that's how you pronounce it. But the words are, The taste of eternity is on my lips with every breath I sing. The taste of eternity should be on our lips with every breath we sing. We should be praising. The, the, the praise and promises of God should be what is on our lips at all times. says, let your hands be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. You know, the truth is, is that when we walk this walk, these are choices that we've made. You know, we choose to trust God. We choose to have, to believe in his words. And the psalmist here says, I've chosen your precepts, so I will praise you and let your hand be ready to help me. You know, when we begin to praise God with our, with, our, with our mouth, when we begin to praise God with our words, we put ourselves in a position for God to have an impact in our lives. I've seen so many breakthroughs happen in worship where people are finally released from the bondage that they were in because instead of just standing during worship, just, you know, like, man, I wish this would just be over with be done with you know they they begin to worship they let loose they they forget that's why i worship with my eyes closed most of the time so i'm not distracted by everything else and i can just sing to god and i've seen breakthroughs happen like i said bondage broken people being healed when they finally just stop worrying about everything else and put their focus and eyes on god and begin to praise and worship him In Romans 10, 8 through 10, it says, But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. You see, the word shouldn't just be trapped in your mind. But it should be spoken with our mouths. Did you know that salvation requires more than just believing in your heart? There's two components of it, right? He says, with the mouth we confess, with the heart we believe. Salvation requires moving your mouth. So if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's why during altar calls, if you've ever seen one, we usually have people say a prayer with us because that's their opportunity to confess, with their mouth confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's a two-part process. Believing with your heart, confessing with your mouth. And this goes for every promise of God. We believe with our heart, but we confess those promises with our mouth. We begin to speak them. We begin to say them. That's why Jesus said, if you say to this mountain, move, it'll, it'll be cast into the sea. But you notice he didn't say, ask God, beg God. He said, speak to the mountain. Begin to speak the promises of God in your life. It's so often we need to stop telling our God about our problems to begin to tell our problems about our God. Speak to them. Speak the word of God over them, the promises of God over them. And the truth is, what you speak indicates what you believe. We always speak what we believe. 
You can tell that in, in so many parts of a person's life. In politics, people speak what they believe. In sports, people always have opinions about sports. You can always tell what somebody believes in sports. Nobody's afraid to talk about that. But the truth is, if you believe something, you speak it. Your, your heart influences what you say. But the scary part about it is, is that that's a two-way street. Our heart influences our thoughts, and our thoughts influences what we say. But at the same time, if we're not careful about what we say, what we say will begin to influence our thoughts, which will begin to influence our heart. So we need to make sure that we're speaking out of our heart those things of God. Amen? We've got a couple more here. In Joshua 1.8, it says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Who wants that? You want your way prosperous and to have good success? That's something that I want. So anything here with this, for then, this little promise, that means that the part in front of it is the requirement. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. You see, Christian meditation is a little bit different than Eastern meditation. This word here, the Greek word here for, for meditate, is actually could be almost better translated as mumble. It's to, to speak. When it says that it shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that means that you will, you will speak it day and night. You will say it day and night. You know, in Eastern meditation, the idea is to empty your mind. That's why I don't like yoga. Yoga is, is a bunch of prayer positions that you're supposed to empty your mind. But Christian meditation is different. Christian meditation is about filling your mind with the Word of God. When we meditate on the Word of God, we don't empty our mind, but we fill it with our mind. You want to know the danger in emptying your mind? It reminds me of the of the the spirit that left that was cast out of a man, and he left, and he went into the to the ether there, and and when he came back, he found everything swept and put away in good order, and he brought back even more with him into that person as as the demons went back into him. You guys remember that story? You want to know what the problem was? When he got back, it was still empty. the The demon had been removed, but instead of filling it. With the word and love and light of God, it was empty and still ready to be moved right back in. When we empty our mind, we're, we're allowing so much other junk to have its way in there. But instead, let's fill our mind with the word of God. And in order to live out the word, in order to be careful to do according to all that is written in it, the scripture says that we need to, to be able to mumble. We need to be able to repeat it. And there's no way that you're going to know how to meditate on it, to read it, to know it, if you don't actually spend time on the Word and get to know it. But I would encourage you, if you want to see great change affected in your life, begin to speak the promises of God in your life. If you don't have it all memorized, begin to put, if you're having something in your life where you're, you need to be healed of something, find every scripture you can. Use Google. I use Google all the time. That's how I prepare my messages. There's nothing wrong with using Google to find a scripture. And put it on your fridge. Put it on your bathroom. And begin to read and and repeat the promises of God in your life. If you're struggling financially, find the scriptures that talk about having an abundance. And put them everywhere and begin to, to read them and repeat them. Speak the word of God over your life. Because that word has power in your life. Amen?
And we'll go ahead and end here. In James 3.2 it says, For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. I started this message saying that the words that we speak have power. And they make an impact in your life. They make a change in your life. That's why I'll always tell you, never begin to say stuff like, my headache, or my stomach ache. Or any of those things, because we begin to claim those things for ourselves. Our, our words begin to give them power in our lives. Instead, you say, you know what, the fact is, i got a headache right now, but the truth is, I'm healed in the name of Jesus. And we begin to speak that I'm healed instead of I'm sick. And that goes from everything, from a headache all the way up to cancer. God will do amazing things if we begin to speak His truth in our lives. James says, we can stumble in any ways, but as long as we keep what we say straight then we're going to be all right. He says he's a perfect man. If we can keep what we say straight, the rest will fall in line. So this morning, I, ch- I want to challenge all of us, myself included, to let's be a people who watch what we say and, and only speak encouragement, only speak hope, only speak faith, only speak life, only speak the Word of God to ourselves and others in order that we won't stumble in what we say. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet.